The audio you are about to hear has been extracted from a YouTube live. Love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. And you can visit ZaraHarrison.com slash help me for a list of resources that can help you do just that. Four signs that let you know this person is toxic to your life. Now, of course, excuse me, y'all. I don't know. I'm having like allergies. Like my eyes just start itching in my nose and stuff like that. Now, of course, there are more than four signs or things that can help you identify that a relationship is toxic. If you have watched my channel for any amount of time, you know that I talk about different red flags that help you identify it to get a little more specific because you know sometimes i have new people like shout out to the people that left comments in the last live in the um excuse me y'all my nose is like really mm, something is really like making my allergies flare up not my allergies i don't claim that but allergies flare up um the last live that i did yesterday uh shout out i, I think your name was yolanda Forgive me if it wasn't, but you left a comment in the live chat during that live yesterday and you said, uh, I'm new to the channel. This is my first live. So I think that's what you said. And I, I was in a rush yesterday a little bit because I had to cook dinner and I was letting what I was cooking warm up in the oven so that the juices and all of that could like, you know, give it that flavor. And I was like, let me just do this live but I had to get downstairs and feed my family. So I was like, I have to get back. So I forgot to go back and read. And then I think there was someone named Lily T who was giving her story about emotional abuse. So uh, peace to y'all that left the comments in the live chat yesterday. I am, uh, um, I apologize, I didn't get a chance to read. I, I read them, but not during the live. And someone just said, peace Yvette Rivera, peace. So today, if you if you leave comments, I'll probably be able to get, be able to get to them because dinner is already done. It's rather late right now. I don't know if y'all can see it's dark outside, um, but I am done for today. So I have a little bit of time right now. Oh, actually, I did tell my family I was going to watch a movie with them, but I have I have a little bit of time. So uh, if you have watched my channel for any amount of time, you know that I offer you encouragement and help you see the uh, red flags and the warning signs that someone is very unhealthy for your life. Now, the word toxic sometimes is too strong for people. The word emotional abuse sometimes is too strong for people. But it's important for us to just get to the heart of the matter. And in that last video, no one specifically asked but sometimes people watch and they're afraid to ask, well, Zara, how do I know that someone is toxic to my life? And I usually say, check out the What Kind of Love Is This podcast. Like, y'all, I know we, a lot of us are more visual nowadays and we like to just visually see someone and the podcast is audio. But I also have a video version where it's something for you to look on the screen if you just have to look at something. So there is a playlist entitled What Kind of Love Is This Audio Podcast. Go check out the podcast because it gives you, ooh, my aller these allergies. It gives you some tips on how to identify it and also encourage you, encourages you on some things that you can do. It's only so much that I can do in like one video 
or like one comment or one post. So I try to consistently put this in front of your face. But when you listen to the podcast and you make it a consistent habit of listening to it, it helps you start to identify it sooner, faster, so that you can prevent it turning into a really more horrible thing. Peace, James Hudson. All right, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about four signs that a person is toxic to your life. Again, there are more than four things. The first thing is that they are very neglectful. They're, they're very neglectful in the sense that um, you will repeat the, your concerns. You will say, you know, this hurts me when you do this. You know, when you like this, this, when you do this, this causes this in my life. When you behave this way or when you make these decisions or when you make these choices, this is the harm that it causes my life. When you, um, for example, say when you don't let me know what time you're going to come home and I'm with the children all by myself, that causes a lot of frustration for me because I don't know when, at, when you're going to come in and I'm left to handle the load all by myself. Um, you may talk to another person and say, you know, when you gossip or talk about me to this other family member, instead of talking to me about the situation, it creates division and strife. I don't like when you do this. You may tell another person, you know, when I try to talk to you and I try to have a healthy conversation with you and you reject me or you, you, um, you deny what I'm saying to you. It does something to my soul and my spirit. It makes me feel like I'm going crazy. It makes me, they call it gaslighting. People do, some people do this intentionally. But when you do this, it causes harm to my soul. It makes me feel like what I'm saying isn't valid. It makes me have this sense that I don't really see what I see, right? So you're constantly trying to tell them that when you do this, this is what happens to me. Um, and they neglect it because you have repeated concerns and they deny it. That's a form of neglect. See, oftentimes we think neglect is just not feeding your children or, you know, a parent never being home and leaving children home by themselves. Um, but, you know, that's not only what neglect is. Neglect can be when you have a repeated concern and someone denies it or they reject it. That's a form of neglect. That kind of person is very toxic to your life. Why? Because it's a sign of unrepentance. Because if someone is sinning against you and that they're harming your soul and you confront them, like scripture tells us to go, we have an issue with somebody going confront them. And another scripture says, when you know what to do and then you do the other thing that's wrong, if I'm telling you that when you do this, this is what it makes me feel like, or this is what is happening, and they continue to do it, then that's a sin because you know what to do because I've talked to you about this, but you keep doing it. And so this person is, in a sense, behaving with unrepentance. And that is not how we're supposed to be in relationship with one another, right? So that person is toxic to your life because that means that they're, they're becoming obstinate in their sin against you. And I talk about this scripture all the time. The fact that grace is not there for us to go on sinning. 
We give grace to people, especially when they're repentant. You want to give grace to a person if they're really sorry and they're trying to change their behavior. But because grace is not there for us to go on sinning, if you keep on sinning against someone, it's a form of neglect because you are repeatedly denying or rejecting the concerns that they have. And their concerns are valid, even though it doesn't affect, you know, them in the same way, even though it may not be important to them. The mere fact that it's important to you, if someone loves you, means it should be also be important to them. And so if I keep trying to communicate with you and you, you know, deny or reject and you're neglecting my needs. Then this is a problem. OK, so that's toxic. A second uh, sign or red flag, if you see this, that shows that a person is toxic to your life is when they keep you away from healthy influences. They don't like you around healthy influences. When you're around someone or you're seeking someone's help or you're in a support group or you know you are around different women so because you, you want to learn something about womanhood or you know growing spiritually and you start to change and they, they may say things like you changing that's a sign they're probably toxic because they're trying to keep you away from healthy influences. That's toxic to your life because you can't grow if someone keeps you away from things that help you grow. Because wh what happens when you don't grow, right? There's, there's death that occurs. There's a complacency. There's a stagnation. It's just like a plant. If you withhold water, sunshine from it, it starts to wither and die. And that's what happens to us. When we withhold water, the water and the sunshine of healthy influences, they pour that water on our lives. They shine and expose something that we can't see to help us adjust and re, uh, readjust to correct our lives. And someone that you're around doesn't want you around them because of how you're changing. That's toxic because what they're really doing is they are uh, promoting the death of you the death of you emotionally and spiritually. We often need healthy influences to grow and to flourish. Can you imagine trying to do this all alone without any kind of influence from healthy people? Can you imagine? You know, we don't all know everything. I don't know everything. There are some people that I glean from there are some people, you know, books or certain things that I read and I didn't see it from that perspective. And then it compounds with, with what y'all is already doing with me. And then I grow and I flourish. If I don't do the person that y'all designed me to be can start to die. So it's very toxic of a person to rob you of being around healthy influences. Now, if they're unhealthy, that's something else. But I've talked to people who, you know, they've been in relationships and the person that they're with gets mad at them for going to counseling. They're like, why are you going there? And this, the person starts to feel guilty like they can't go to counseling. But really, it's that this person knows that if they get help and they get hit to, to, to gain, to manipulation, to gaslighting, all of that, basically control then I lose control over them and I can't control them no more. So I don't want you around them because that makes me lose my power or control of what they think they have over that person. 
very toxic to your life. Very toxic to your life. The third thing is they make you do things that you don't really want to do. They're not talking to you and communicating to you, uh, communicating with you about the things that you like and the things that you love. It, it is a consistent issue of trying to get you to do things their way and what they want. And they don't really bend to what you want. There's not really a compromise, you know, in relationships and in love, we have to comp. we don't have to, but it's healthy to learn how to compromise with someone else. Cause sometimes we can be so headstrong on what we're trying to do, but when we're with someone who's healthy and they see something that we may not be able to see and we compromise what I wanted to do and what you wanted to do when we compromise, often we'll do what the most high wants us to do together. And I talk about that in my book, Dying to Submit, that submission, you know, this, this video is not really about marriage, but I talk about in that book how submission is not doing what the husband wants or what the wife wants, but finding what the most high wants for the husband and the wife together. So I'm not fighting for what I want. You're not fighting for what you want. We are fighting for what the most high wants us to do. That is a balance in healthy and loving relationships, whether it's with a spouse, a friendship, a family member. Whenever someone that you're in a relationship with, whether romantically or friendship or whatever, is constantly dominating your decisions and... Uh, putting you in a position to provoke you to feel guilt that you won't do what they want you to do is very unhealthy and it's toxic because they're making you do something that you don't necessarily want to do. And that could even include physical intimacy in marriage sometimes. So some people often teach, you know, the wife, there's a scripture that says, you know, the wife's body belongs to the husband and the husband's body belongs to the wife. And that's all the way true. Like I, this right here is for nobody else but my husband and vice versa. Ain't sharing that, nothing, right? So some people take that scripture and they say, that means that whenever I want to have sex with you, whether you want to or not, you need to give it to me. That's so incredibly toxic. Because first you want to ask the question, why do you want to sleep with someone who doesn't really want to sleep with you right now? Why, why do you even want to, you know, um, almost in a sense, take someone's body who doesn't want to give it to you at that moment? You're, you're emotionally unwell. Something isn't unwell because why, why do you want to lay and, and try to get someone to be physically intimate with you when they don't want to. That's a lot like what R-A-P-I, you know, do. They do that. So if you love someone, why wouldn't you want to get to a position or a place where the love is mutual? They are involved and they want to. Right? So when... And that's just, you know, romantic type relationships. But for friendships too, like a friend that's always trying to get you to do the things they like to do. They love to 
I don't know, go out to eat and try exotic restaurants. And you told them, Maria, I've got to throw up. It's all kind of stuff. And they're like, yeah, I hear you, but it's fine. Let's just go. So it's one thing when you go sometimes and you just order what you can order. But it's something else when um, you always have to do that consistently. And they're never seeking out what you like, what you like. So they are, they're constantly trying to make you, those are just some examples, but they're constantly trying to make you do things that you don't want to do. Hang around people that you don't want to hang around. Go places that you don't want to go. Get involved in hobbies that you're not necessarily involved in. And you, you keep saying, I kind of don't really like that. And it doesn't matter to them. That's toxic. That's a toxic person to your life. Because you are constantly put into a position where you feel invalidated. And over time, when you continually deal with being invalidated and you, you don't ever set a boundary or speak up about it, we talked about how certain responses can actually rewire our brain and our system and how, we, how we're dealing with people thereafter, right? And then the last thing, and again, there's more than four things, but these are like a lot more common, I would say. Um, and the, the last sign that a person is toxic to your life is that they abandon you, especially when you need them most. So you got a graduation ceremony coming up. You know, some people don't believe in ceremonies and graduations and all that stuff like that. But say you graduate from high school or college or whatever, and they're supposed to be a, like a support system of yours and they don't come. You have, you're speaking at an important event and it's in the same city or state and, you know, it's not like it's going to cause them some serious strain to go and they don't go. You're in a marriage and you write a new book or you release a new product or you start a new business and your spouse isn't there. Or if they're there, they're sabotaging the process because inside they kind of jealous and so even though they're there at the event with you they're not present and that's a sense of abandonment because you're not here for me especially when i need you you have a friendship with someone and you just suffered a loss maybe you had a miscarriage maybe you lost your job maybe you you know your eyes are open to a deeper understanding of the most high and you leave, you know, a certain religious system and you feel neglected and alone and ostracized and mocked. And your friend who's already supposedly have been woke is not there for you. Does is not. Hey, how you doing? I'm just checking on you. I know the transition is hard. I just wonder. They're just they abandon you. Someone can be present and still abandon you because they're not present with their emotions and their attention and their affections, even though they're physically there. That's toxic to your life because it sets you up for your heart to continually have a deferred hope, which what we talked about already, the scripture says hope deferred makes a heart what sick. So you constantly start to feel sick and you're, you're dealing with this situation where you can't ever depend on them. And so that brings me to my last point um, that 
this is not, I'm not talking, I'm not saying a person is toxic if they do any of those four things like kind of here and there. Uh, I'll give you a, a personal story. When I graduated from college, my husband and I, we were not married at the time. We were, I don't even think we were engaged. I think we were just dating. And um, right around that time, we, um, we broke up. But he knew how important it was, how important my graduation was. And he knew, you know, how hard I had worked um, to get that. My bachelor's degree is actually in journalism. My master's degree is in um, counseling. But, um, and then I have some, some, work, some master level credits in education. But that bachelor's degree, that was like my first degree. And it was... You know, I was, I was not, I didn't have a Hebraic understanding at that time because I came from, you know, I didn't come from a, a family where that was a normal thing. That was a huge accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, I was only, I was one of three, I believe, one of three or four of a whole line that had, um, had had achieved that milestone in my life, right? And when we were dating, it was really important to me. I was talking about it coming. I was talking about all the obstacles that were in front of me. I was talking about, you know, the fact that I had given my life to the most high, even though I hadn't, I didn't have a heat break understanding. And when I was in this system, um, because I went to a, a pretty prestigious undergrad school, um, and I used to be in classes where they were trying to give me such a secular understanding of certain uh, concepts and how this one professor I had, we had to do a paper on, um, you know, women in history or something like that. And she was like a feminist and she, she had her thoughts and her whatever. But one thing about, you know, when you're grading someone on a paper, you don't grade them on whether you agree with them. You would grade you grade them on whether they meet the certain criteria that you outlined for that assignment. And so she blatantly put on the end of my paper that she didn't agree with what I said because it was a scriptural principle that was backing up my thesis for that paper. And she gave me I think she gave me like a D or something like that. And I had never even gotten a D before. Um, especially in writing. Like I was like, oh, no, like this. No. And so I complained like all the way up to the top level until it got to uh, uh, this, uh, I forget what you call it, like some kind of dispute thing where I had to go before someone else and they had to look at the paper and then they regraded it and they were like, you can, I was like, I don't even want to be in her class anymore because the things that she's teaching, she's trying to shape my understanding and make me think like her. And I should be able, I should have the liberty to think freely and I believe that everything that I know about the word of Yah is in relation to anything I'm going to write about or talk about. So my papers weren't oversaturated, were oversaturated with scripture, of course, but that is the understanding that I was coming from with any and everything, right? And they don't like that in that system, you know? And so my husband was pretty aware of that, that I was, I was up against that fight, that I was dealing with that fight and you know, trying to stand my ground for my spiritual convictions in such a secularist um, uh, institution. And then they gave me the, I think it, I had the chance to either drop the class 
and take another class, even though it was the deadline for dropping classes was over. And I think I, I could either drop the class and go somewhere else or write the paper over or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But whatever it was, I pretty much won. Like I won the situation. She didn't get to, to overpower or overthrow my liberty of free thinking, right? And that was a huge thing for me. And then I had more battles where, you know, I had to do certain um, uh, internships and all of that. And just being a, a, a woman of color, being a woman already, you know, I went to school for broadcast journalism. So um, news broadcasting, radio broadcasting, television broadcasting, like all that stuff, writing, editing, packaging news. I was a, an award-winning writer. I, I won awards for um, certain news stories um, that I did in college. Like it was, it was an aggressive thing, right? And being a woman is already hard in, that, in any field, for real, for real. But then being a woman of color is like you got two strikes against you. So there it was a lot of fighting I had to do to fight through four years and arrive at a degree in journalism. And my husband was aware of that. He saw, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he saw some of that fight. He saw some of those nights I was exhausted. He saw some of those nights where he's calling me like, where you at? And I was passed out at the library, sleeping overnight until the morning in the library because the libraries were 24 hours on campus. Well, at least where I went to university. And, um, it was a lot of work. I didn't have money like that. And so I had to work a work study job and I had a, a regular job and I was a full-time student carrying more credits than I even was supposed to carry. And I finally make it to the end. We met each other, I think it was my second year in undergrad. Um, and so finally by the fourth year, I make it like to the end and I'm about to graduate. And then they tell me some dumb crap about there's some credit, I'm, I'm short three credits from some course I should have taken freshman year and, and the, my advisor never caught it. And so now you, you probably can't graduate on time. You got the wrong one, you got the wrong one. My goal is graduating year four, don't play with me right now. So <laughs> I graduated, nevertheless, that's a whole other story. So even that, it was like every obstacle set up against me. Every single obstacle you can think of set up against me. And he knew that. And so even though we broke up about, I want to say, I want to say about a month, three weeks to a month short of me graduating, I just knew that he was going to be at my graduation I just knew he was going to find, you know, he knew where this, the university was, but he was going to find which building it was. He was going to be there for me because that was a big hurdle in my life to cross, jump over. He was going to be there for me. And graduation comes, my brother comes into town. Um, I think my, yeah, my mom was there, my two grandmothers were there and somebody else was there. I can't remember, it was somebody else there. And I go to our building to do the ceremony and the whole time I'm looking at an audience for him. 
like, he's going to come. He's going to come. And he never showed up. He was never there. And, you know, we were broken up, so he didn't have to be there. But I felt that his love for me would bring him there. And he didn't come. And that broke my heart. You know, we were broken up for a while when we got back together. I shared that story with him. Like, the main person I was looking for when they called my name and, you know, I looked out into the audience was you and you weren't there. You know, he apologized and he's like, you know, I didn't even know where the place was. And, you know, false expectations. Sometimes we can have false expectations. But that's an example of someone abandoning you if you were with them. Like if we were together at that time and he did that, that would have spoke volumes, volumes. But we weren't together, you know. Um, So abandonment, someone not being there for you at some of your most important moments or key moments, having a, a child. Um, having your first, second, third, fourth, whatever number child, um, celebrating wins, you know, advancement, promotions in life, and they just not there for you. You be there for them. But when, when it comes to you, they not there. And I'm not trying to like put nothing, you know, on my, um, my husband or nothing like that. Cause we were not there. And I, I can't say for too many other things in my life that he wasn't there, which is why it hurt so much that he wasn't at that because I thought he would be there. Anytime I call my husband, he's there. Like, and there have been other times where we broke up and I got stranded and these um, police officers were like so racist against me, took my car and not, like I'm showing them proof that these tickets are paid off and all it. They took my car. I had worked, you know, at UPS overnight at the time in college. It was like three, four in the morning in a pretty dangerous area. They pull me over three, four in the morning, pitch black on the street, take my car and leave me there. I'm begging them. Can you please at least give me a ride back to the police station? Like, can you drop me off at the police station so I can call somebody and get home? Like, I don't have no way to get home. I don't even think I had a, <clears throat> I don't know if I had a cell phone at that time. But I was just, oh no, I did have a cell phone, but I was just out there in the dark by myself, alone. Me and my husband, these are my college days, and I called who I thought was my best friend. And she told me she didn't want to lose her parking space. Then you know real quick, I found out that we wasn't really friends. Because we pretty much had a relationship at that time and I told her what was going on and she was she lived in a whole other state and she's like man you got to get out of that neighborhood like you out here in the dark somebody spots you too long you know my mom's straight my mom got straight up street smarts like she know the game and she's like somebody see you standing out there too long you're gonna get robbed don't stand in one place for too long you got to figure out where you're going and try not to stand right under a light because you know when you out here in the dark you like I'm gonna just stand under a light but now you got the light on you for people to target target you so she's like don't stand on the light start walking and who can you call and I'm like I tried to call my best friend she said she don't want to lose her parking space and I don't know who else to call and I'm like maybe I'll call you know Anton and she's like y'all broke up right I'm like yeah and she's like you think he would come I was like I don't know he came so fast he didn't even have a car he didn't even have a car he grabbed change he wasn't even working at that time he grabbed change from off a bucket 
And every time he tells this story, he was like, it was the exact amount that was y'all. Because he didn't even count it. He was so worried about me being stranded out there that he grabbed change and ran, took the bus to where I was. And it was just enough for him to get to me, to pay for me to get on the bus and for him to get back. And um, he came and he got me. You know what I mean? Like he, that's one thing I have to just shot my husband out for like, my husband has been there for me in ways that nobody else in my life has been there for me. Like his love for me, even despite not knowing sometimes how to love a woman in the beginning and, um, you know, throughout our marriage, a lot of things he didn't know, you know, his trauma made him blind in a lot of areas and uh you know we both made a lot of mistakes in the beginning of our marriage you know um and it was a rough rough ride you know what I mean but one thing about him is he'll never he never abandons me um so I just wanted to make sure that I balanced that out because I don't want nobody looking at him like well you weren't there for her we were broken up at the graduation time but um those four tips that help you identify like when somebody is toxic to your life and there are more and I'll talk about them if you hang around with me, you know, in future lives, um, we'll talk about that. But um, I want you to I want you to notice something. You see how I just showed you that my I feel like my husband abandoned me when he wasn't my husband. When we were broken up for that graduation time. But how the other time we were broken up, I was stranded and he came and got me, even though he didn't have a car and he took the bus, right? You see that? This is the difference when how, on how you know someone is toxic to your life is because there's a pattern of unrepentance with them. It's not isolated incidents. Like that was one isolated incident with my husband, but the other times in our life, he was there. So somebody, we talked about the four things. They neglect you and they repeatedly deny your concerns. They keep you from healthy influences. They make you do what you don't want to do. They abandon you. Sometimes we can do some of these things. There are some friends that I have that I know, you know, I wasn't there for them. I abandoned them when they kind of needed me because of what I was dealing with and going through it in my life. I have done that. I'll confess and admit that. There are times where I have, you know, maybe denied someone's concern. That is very, very like a small percentage of my life, but I can't say I've never done that. You know what I mean? We all do some of these things sometimes, but the person is toxic to your life when it is a repeated pattern. It's a repeated pattern. So it's not an isolated event. It's a repeated pattern and it's a pattern of unrepentance that they continue in against you. That's when you know they are toxic to your life. And you need to set some new boundaries and remember this very important thing that silence empowers sin against you. Silence empowers sin against you. This is why scripture talks about speaking up against things that are wrong. So I want to read to you uh, Ephesium or Ephesians 5 chapter 5 verses 8 through 11 and it says for you were in times past darkness but now are you light in yahuwah walk 
goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto Yahuwah. This is the key one I want. This is the key one I want you to talk about, want you to hear. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. So we have other scriptures that talks about um, people like not having fellowship with specific types of people. This scripture says unfruitful works of darkness, not to have fellowship with it. These four things that I listed, they are works, unfruitful works of darkness. It is an unfruitful work of darkness for someone to neglect you and repeatedly deny your concerns. There is no fruit in that. It is unfruitful or an unfruitful work of darkness, toxic. Keeping you from healthy influences. That is an unfruitful work of darkness to keep you away from people that can help you grow and heal. Making you do things that you don't want to do. And I'm not talking about healthy things. Of course, you know, of course, there are things that are healthy for us. Like, girl, you need to get out there and be exercised. And I thought you said, you know, every week you were going to jog for 15 minutes, you know, um, three times a week. Or I thought you said you was going to do a Bible study once a week. You might not feel like doing that, but they're encouraging you to do something you may not necessarily want to do. But in this in this instance, when they make you do things you don't want to do, I'm talking about things that, you know, are unhealthy for you or that are selfish. You know what I mean? They're being selfish and entitled about it. That's an unfruitful work of darkness. Um, and then finally, they abandon you. And again, we're not talking about isolated incidents, one-time things. We're talking about consistent pattern and they're unrepentant about it. Like that story about my husband not being there when I graduated with my undergrad degree. We were not together. He did not have to be there. He did not tell me he was going to be there. I just expected him to be there and got my feelings all hurt, right? Fast forward, when I did tell him that, he literally repented to me. I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. He didn't even have to do that. He wasn't even, he didn't even tell me he was going to be there. But his love for me was like, I felt, I feel bad that you even feel like I, I, like you're looking for me and I wasn't there. He repented about that. I put a post up on my YouTube community tab earlier today and it was saying, um, if you don't know how to repent, you can't possibly know how to love. You can't possibly know how to love. Even the most high repented. And he ain't even sinned against nobody, which is close to what I just said my husband did. And I put up the scripture where it says the most high repented, not of some sin, but it was like, just go read it. But if the most high will repent, what does that say about us? If even the most high will repent. And who is the most high? The Most High Yahuwah is love. That's why one of the affirmations that I send out on Monday says true love repents. True love repents. True love repents. 
True love is repentance. Even the most high did it. When he didn't, we, now the most high is not even a sinner and he repented. We are, we sin and we think we don't have to repent. So it is a huge red flag. If you are in a relationship with someone who sins against you and they remain unrepentant about it. And I'm not talking about they say sorry. That's not repentance. That's saying sorry. That's saying something. That's talking. Repentance is changing behavior. That's what true repentance is. So if I haven't changed it all the way, I'm working toward it. I don't mean to big up my husband all night, but that's another thing I love about my husband. Is when he knows something is like that. I'm just going to tell you right now. But there are the time, there are other times when if I let him know that something's hurting me and he has hurt me and it's, and it's hurting me, he may not overnight change into Superman, but he'll work toward it, trying to change it for the things that matter. He'll, he'll really try to change it. That's repentance. When you're trained, you're trying to change your behavior. So true love is repentance. If they don't repent, they, they don't love you. Okay? So I just wanted to talk about that. It has to be these four things. If you see them in an unrepentant pattern, then it's toxic. If somebody just did it one time or two times in your life and you just, you know, that's different. So when we hear Ephesians or Ephesians 5, um, I read 8 through 11, but 11 says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Reprove them means say something about it. Confront it. It's not okay. We have to speak up. And I know that some of us struggle with that, which is why I did the uh, True Tribe Challenge, which I'm glad I said something because... The True Tribe, the uh, uh, email will be coming out soon looking for an online participant for the next, the True Tribe Challenge for May. But the True Tribe Challenge helps you confront or repent about a specific theme. And I have a playlist on my YouTube channel called the True Tribe Challenge if you want to watch how it works and you see people live learning how to repent and confront. So those are four signs that um, someone is toxic to your life. And the solution, one of the solutions can be found in Ephesians or Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. The works of darkness that a person is doing against you is saying in verse 11, reproof, don't have fellowship with them. Don't hang out with these unfruitful, don't, uh, don't hang out with these unfruitful works of darkness and just be like chilling with them. Reprove them confront them, deal with them, say something about them, speak up. If you have struggle, if you have struggles with that, read books to help you build your confidence in confrontation, do a Bible study on confrontation or setting boundaries. I have a Bible study guide. Go check it out. ZaraHarrison.com. Go download that Bible study guide to help you get better at reproving unfruitful works of darkness. Because this gives the opportunity for the person to um, repent of their sin. And this is key in healing any relationship is to help bring the person to repentance who is sinning against you. 
And when we reprove them and we confront it, we give them the opportunity to do that. If we keep doing that and they don't come to repentance, scripture tells us how to deal with them because it's unsafe for you. It's very unsafe for you. So remember, silence empowers sin against you. It empowers sin against you. So speak up. So that's four things. And I'm going to get out of here. Maybe let me look at some of the comments real quick. Um, um, peace, Cassiopeia. Peace, Cam 2 player. Peace, Ashonda at large. Peace. Ooh, Ashonda at large said, peace, Zara royalty. Am I on the wrong channel? Am I on Zara royalty instead of Zara Harrison? I meant to be on Zara Harrison, but that's okay. Maybe it's for this channel. Um, Amber Henderson, Shalom Coach Zara. I've been led to your power edifying videos after y'all led me to you and your husband's music. I truly respect and thank you for using, thank y'all for using you both, especially your channel says, hallelujah. Thank you, Amber Henderson. Cam Sue Player says, beautiful testimony. That's, that's, I guess that's about my husband. Um, Tiffany Moore says, Shalom, Zara. I love this story. Thank you, Tiffany. Regina says, Shalom, peace. Abaya Judah says, Shalom, peace, Ab Abaya. Um, Daughter of Zion says, wow, if you can't repent, you can't love. Word up. Look on my YouTube community tab. Regina, wow, most of the people I know are in church and they don't see anything wrong with celebration. Um, Make sure you go ahead and rewind this video back if you didn't hear the four things that I talked about. And um, yeah, I think I hit all my points. Speak up and seek support if you're in. Excuse me. So I'm author, counselor, and coach, Zara Harrison, helping you remember that love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. And you can visit ZaraHarrison.com slash help me for a list of resources that can help you do just that. Thanks for joining me. I'll see y'all on the next live. Go ahead and tap another video. Go to my homepage on my channel and tap another video and check out a playlist and visit ZaraHarrison.com slash help me. Okay? Peace. Thanks for enjoying this podcast episode. Keep pressing to break free from toxic connections and or mindsets. Subscribe and join my email list at ZaraHarrison.com for more resources. Y'all bless.